I'm Alex. And I'm Kelly. And welcome to the LitJoy podcast. This episode is brought to you by LitJoy Crates Holiday Events. All through November, December, readers can shop new gifts for readers in their life or for yourself and can shop special sales events. The holiday season is literally our favorite time of year at LitJoy. Myself and Kelly work with our team year-round to bring to life the perfect gifts for readers. If you're a fan of Sarah J. Moss, we have lots of items available, but new this season is the Throne of Glass Key. For classic book lovers, we've released the LitJoy edition of A Christmas Carol, and there's a darling door knocker ornament that can correlate with it. And perhaps the thing that we're most excited about is our paper art edition of Alice in Wonderland. There will be special discounts happening throughout the month of November and December, so please keep checking back in. If you're a listener tuning in when it's not the holiday season, don't worry, we've got you covered. You can use the code PODCAST10, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-1-0, at litjoycrate.com slash podcast anytime for 10% off. So PODCAST10 is a 10% off discount that doesn't expire, and the way to navigate to our website is litjoycrate.com slash podcast, L-I-T-J-O-Y-C-R-A-T-E dot com slash P-O-D-C-A-S-T. That's where you can find everything we talk about on the podcast as far as products and sales events go. And of course, all of this info will be in the show notes. So in this first episode, we thought it would be really fun to start with talking about books that have had a major impact on our lives, books that made us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we're a book company. We run book clubs. We talk books all day long. And when we were trying to decide what do we want to talk about first in this very first podcast episode, it just made so much sense to us to talk books, obviously. Yes. Um, but we want to talk about the books that have impacted us for one reason or another at different times in our lives that have left their mark, you know, made us feel something um, and books we can't stop recommending for different reasons. Yeah. So that that is the basis of this episode. And we decided to do something fun in the fact that we both have created our own lists without talking to one another about them. So, yes, I have my top 10. Alex has her top 10. And we're about to find out how many we have, have of the same. <laughs> we tend to love a lot of same books. Not always, but we do have a lot of crossover in our books as well. So yes. I'm very fascinated to see how many we have on the same list. But Me too. And for you, dear reader, at the end of the episode, we do have a couple of major LitJoy announcements. Ooh. So uh, we'll be spoiling two different books, special editions that are coming out next year as kind of our our premiere episode announcement. So we will give you a couple of behind the scenes announcements uh, at the end of the episode. Okay, Just so stay listening. Stay tuned. Awesome. Big announcements, jazz hands, people. This is big. <laughs> Perfect. All right, Kelly, let's jump in. I want to okay. know, should we count... These are not an order of value is what I'm assuming. Like no, not the most, the no, least. Okay. No order. No order from my perspective. Love it. Okay. okay. Love it. Number we're one. Okay. We're vibing. Okay. Uh, book number one for me. I'll start. Yeah. Okay. I'll dive right in. I love it. Uh, the Giver by mm-hmm. Lois Lowry. And I feel like you're not surprised by that one. So I got it out of the... No, I thought about it and didn't pick that one. Oh, yes. I th- I feel like you're not surprised that I picked that one. I'm not surprised that you picked it. Yes. It's, but it, yes, go ahead. I will tell you why very briefly. I feel like this is one of the best dystopian books ever written because it is so accessible to 
people of all ages. I think that The Giver, uh, it was a super powerful dystopian novel, but it also uh, gives people, it's all about being curious about how things are the way they are. So Mm -hmm. questioning um, how society functions, questioning what people tell you is true and getting curious and doing your own research, asking more questions for yourself, wanting Mm -hmm. to find truth and knowledge yourself. And so I love that because I feel like uh, I was raised in a really high demand religion, but I also just uh, am a member of humanity and of society. And I think that we have all these structures in place. And it's really important that individually we think for ourselves, that we think with curiosity. And as a young kid, and I was reading this book, it just, it taught me some really important lessons about not believing everything you see and not believing things just because people tell you them, but getting curious about people who are different than you and experiences that are different than the ones you've had. So it it just sparked this this flame of curiosity in me as a young child. And I feel like that carried throughout all of my reading. So that's my first one. We've had discussions about The Giver because it was the first book for both of us, somewhere between fifth and sixth grade when you read it, that it was the first book that really stood out that oh, yes. like made a difference and made an impact in exactly like how we think and wanting to find more books similar to that. I mm-hmm. remember buying it and gifting it to my parents for Christmas and Cute. they were like, thank you. Like, I gifted it to my friend Brian oh, God. when I was in fifth grade. For it's the like same- this young adult middle grade book. Yes. But at the same time, I'm like, it doesn't matter. It's the message, you know. I know. So, yeah, that's, that's a great so one. Okay, your number one. Okay. Give it to me. I, my number one is literally my number one. Um, this is the only one that I had, which is, we we know this about me. I have a favorite book of all time. This is, of course, The Book Thief by Marcus Zusak. I know. Yes, it is near and dear to my heart. I've met Marcus, and it was a it was a moment. It was, it was a moment. It was like a spiritual moment for me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, he doesn't write a lot of books. Like, when he writes a book, it takes him a little longer, I would say. Like a decade. Um, Possibly like 10 years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But The Book Thief, um, I read this for the first time with my book club, gosh, 12 years ago. I'm trying to remember when it came out now. But it was like I had no idea what I was getting into. Just heard it was good. Picked it up. Uh, I think it's considered a middle grade book, young adult middle grade, somewhere in that range. Um, I didn't even know that. Um, But it made me feel things that I had never felt in a book before. It was based around the genre during World War II. But what I love about that, when you know, how many are out there? World War II. So books. many World War II. I know you have a favorite yeah. one. We'll probably yeah. get to that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a genre that is always intense. It's a lot. But what I loved is that Marcus used death as one of the characters. Mm-hmm. Death narrates throughout the book his perspective of humanity during World War II. Right. It's and, very clever and beautiful. Yeah. Like I expected death to be this extremely scary, thunderous type of personality, you know, and then it was all complete opposite. Yeah. It was like the hopeful joy moments, almost the view that death took. But I talk about the book forever, but there's so many good um, quotes in it. Yes. Um, and the way that he writes what death is thinking every time I was just like, oh, it's almost like the stab to the heart to realize how he's viewing humanity. But yeah, I was like, it's a everybody must read book. Everyone must read that one. Yeah. I know. It's beautiful. Okay. Number two on my list. Let's do it. Pride and Prejudice. I knew it. I know. (laughs) I was just like, I arguably think it's the best enemies to, to lovers 
book classic yeah ever written like i'm just like it's the og um it is in my opinion the best classic comedy ever written <laughs> and the most reliable or the most uh readable classic of all time in my opinion so mm. like i have high praise i know that there'll be lots of people who are like enraged by those <laughs> words that i'm saying but i just think that pride and prejudice and specifically mrs bennett mm. and her character uh the mother i feel like it's just comedy gold. And I, I mean, there's so many Darcy tropes now because yeah. Jane Austen, she like invented it, man. I I'm, I know she probably didn't because humanity's been around for a while, but yeah, she, she did it best. She really bucked the system back in the day with oh, yeah. what she decided to write about. So <laughs> she's like, move over efforts. <laughs> I have things to it say. It is. It's such a good one. Oh, it's fantastic. The, book, the movies, it's all great. I love it so much. So I'm like, Prime Prejudice. Probably the most influential classic in my life and one of the most influential classics of all time. I can't argue with that. I don't want to. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <Hey>, number two. <laughs> number two for me. So this one, we're going to go a little bit different. This is a nonfiction for me. Love it. Um, and we've, we'll have probably speak to this uh, on and off throughout a lot of our episodes. Oh, I know where you're going. I already know what the book is. Yeah. So we're talking about Come As You Are. Yep. And this is by Emily Nagowski. Uh-huh. And this is the... It's called, sorry, Come As You Are, The Surprising New Science That Will Transform Your Sex Life. And they talk a lot about like how for years and years and years, these people in the health industry have tried to create like a little pink pill for women, like yeah, a Viagra like, for men. Like Viagra for women kind yeah, yeah. of a thing. And it doesn't exist because right. desire for women is up here. here. It's up in our brains. And so the book discusses this from a woman's point of view what's going on in a woman's head and what creates desire for her and what doesn't. Yeah. What helps with their accelerators or um, breaks and the breaks that can cause it. And so this is a great book for everyone to read, you know, spouses included, significant others, because they get oh, yeah. to understand what it's like to be in the women's brain and why things work and other times it doesn't. And uh, I would also argue, though, the the empowerment that she weaves through that book would be helpful for any person to read, regardless of sexual orientation, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of sex drive, uh, or if that's if your sexuality is a part of you, your personality, or or even not. Just having this yeah. empathy for the sexual experiences of others, it's, it's such a empowering book. Um, it's also yeah. on my list. No, we're not there yet, though. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so the the message that you're talking about that you hear over and over and it's echoed is you're okay. You're normal. Like you're not broken. And she'll say it almost every chapter yes. to the point, you know, and, and she's like, we're all made up the same basic parts, just rearranged different or, you know, organized in different ways. Yeah. And again, we, you know, Alex and I have talked about this. We both were raised in a more strict religious you know community and you know we've kind of since pulled away from that and so much of it is still there right and I really was one of those people that was broken yeah me Um, too like I sobbed in this book hearing it again and again and again like it took me hearing it like 12 times to let it sink in so anyways we keep talking about it but great one to read love this book I would you know I'm like 18 over you know it's for sure for but that's my number two Love it. That's a good one. My number three is, I'm in nonfiction as well. My number three, it's The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Four Agreements, I feel like, is just, a, it deeply contributed to my happiness. Mm-hmm. So when I read it, The Four Agreements are be impeccable with your word, 
Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. And in the book, it's a very quick read, maybe like 100 pages. And he just goes through what each one of those agreements means. And if you can make them with yourself, what you can relinquish from your life and what you can welcome in into your life. And I love it because I think it is such a human thing to tell stories. I think it's like an evolution thing to protect ourselves, to make these assumptions about other people. And I love that that book kind of walks through the power of being grounded in who you are, regardless Mm -hmm. of what's happening around you and being able to, um, to not give power to the stories that we tell ourselves, uh, if it's destructive to us. Mm. And, um, yeah, I just loved it. I, I just I think it's like a simple read, but one that you can come back to over and over again because there's such a depth to it, and the, it's a practice. Mm-hmm. You can't be good at all those things immediately, you know. Yeah. So it's not an escapist read, but I just feel like it's a really good read for humans <laughs> to experience. So that perfectly segues into my book. Let's go number three. Number three, Wonder. I love Wonder it. by R.J. Palacio. So good. Um, this is another middle grade title. That, mm-hmm. you know, for my personal book club that I run, I always try to push our group into reading different genres. And so we typically do at least one middle grade. And uh, for those of you who haven't read middle grade, I would highly suggest it because typically a really good middle grade author can speak to multiple levels. For sure. And RJ Palacio, I believe, yeah, Palacio. Uh, does, yeah. does this because this book is all about, in my mind, two things. But one, the overarching theme is kindness. Yeah, And um, it's just like, it was one of those books that we, I finished it and I just closed it and I just had a little cry because I mm-hmm. felt it so deeply. Um, there's a movie about this one now, also great. They did uh, a Owen really Wilson. beautiful job. Uh, yeah, and yeah. Julia Roberts, and Julia they did a beautiful job. And I'm just going to read this quick quote. I love be it. Done, but it says, if every person in this room made a rule that wherever you are, wherever you can, you will try to act a little kinder than is necessary. The world would be a better place. And if you do this, and if you act a little kinder than is necessary, someone else somewhere someday might recognize in you, in every single one of you, the face of God. Yeah. And there's so many amazing quotes like this in the book where you're just like, yes. Yeah. So um, with Wonder, it's on, um, it's on, I have, I have like a runner up list because I couldn't keep it to 10. Wonder's on my list for there. Uh, the thing I love about Wonder um, so the main character in it does have mm-hmm. um, some face abnormalities as part of you Augie. Know, uh, Augie as his, you know, so there is, um, but he is a very brilliant child. Yeah. But people make assumptions about him because of how he looks. And I just thought it was such a, his, you know, his experience in the book starts when he's like, I think, fifth or sixth grade. He's like mm-hmm. right around fifth, fifth grade. Fifth mm-hmm. grade. And we have fifth graders, well, sixth graders. And so I think you can relate to it. That's a really difficult time to be a person. Like yeah. there's so much insecurity around that and just his experience and overcoming. And it's it's a really beautiful book that I would say transcends the genre for yeah. sure. I love it because it puts you in the driver's seat of empathy. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. And you don't get that very often in books. And so you can see the world through Augie's eyes. And it's another one of those, like everyone, when they talk about it, this is, they put their hand to their chest. Oh, I love that. Yeah, they're always, oh, you know, it's like clutch the pearls in in the way that it's just like, oh my gosh, it's my my favorite, my heart, you know. And so top, top 10 books. I'm like, and read it with any age. Yes. There's even a picture book out. Mm-hmm. That's which we read it. to our children. Yes. Yeah. 
So there's picture book, there's the regular book, there's the movie. There's a reason it's being adapted in multiple forms. I think there might be a graphic novel, but anyways, great. Great, great book. Okay, book four. Yeah. Okay. My book four is The Midnight Library by Matt Hag. 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 I accept all. Love it. (laughs) Um, So... This was the first book club book I read in my book club with my now husband, Tyler. (laughs) And so um, it's a book that is very much about living in the present and making the most of the time that we're given. Mm. Uh, The main character, um, I will say like a slight suicide trigger warning. She attempts suicide. It's not a particularly huge part of the book or violent Um, But it puts her in a coma, which gives her the opportunity in the book to experience multiple lives Mm -hmm. in a library. Her brain organizes this this space like a library. And that's why it's called the Midnight Library. And um, and I love it's a book that just asks really important questions about uh, how do you want to spend your time? How do you want to spend your life? Uh, how do you have empathy for yourself mm-hmm. and empathy for others, understanding, self-discovery, compassion, and self-acceptance? Mm-hmm. And so I think it was just a really powerful book for most who read it mm-hmm. because it's such a good book club discussion book. It, it was it, so good. Yeah. It just it creates these questions that sometimes we're afraid to ask ourselves because we're so busy going through the motions of life that we don't always pause to think about why we're doing it and how do we have a how do we live more in alignment with what we're here to do what our purpose is what our joy is and so it was a powerful book to read with a man who I would one day (laughs) marry and um and yeah so if we ever have a a baby I'll name it Nora after that book because of of how much that book meant the main character's name is Nora so yeah I love that book too so but I was like, oh, she's going to talk about this one, I bet. So, yeah. Because it's, it's a good one. Such a good love story for you guys. I, they saw yes. the book. It's perfect. About a library. It's very <laughs> nerdy. I mean, my husband's, I mean, he's like getting like his fourth degree. Yeah. It's very nerdy. I love it <laughs> so much. Um, perfect. So you're number four now. All right. This one, no surprise. And I assume it will go with one of yours. So A Court of Mist and Fury by Sarah J. Moss. Boom. I specifically selected that one. It's my favorite book. Um in that series, which I think a lot of people would agree with. Yeah. Um, but this was like the height of Sarah because she wrote my other second favorite book, which is Queen of Shadows. Which is coming. <laughs> which I figured would be on your list. <laughs> yes. uh, which the reason I picked it is one, um, Sarah just kind of like took over the fantasy world and blew it up with like this. She's like, I'm going to write this new genre called new adult because I want to write spicy stuff. Which is just so badass. I know we all love to hate the, like there's always like that. You love to hate the ones that are like succeeding a little bit because you're like, oh, enough. Like we're always hearing about Sarah. Mm. But, and I feel like Stephanie with uh, Twilight series kind of got this too. Stephanie Meyer. Yeah. Yep. But I'm also like, I think it's so badass mm-hmm. when someone can flip something totally on its head, like fantasy genre. Yeah. And that it goes viral. I I don't know. I love seeing the successes of these authors. Like it it pumps me up. So it was just a good year for Sarah because both those books came out the same time. And it was the year that I was trying to figure out how to take my book club blog to the next level. And Alex was doing her previous job before Lit Joy. Mm -hmm. And we went to the same blogger conference together and we could not stop talking about these two books. You know, I was, yep. talk, you know, I was talking about Resand and we were talking about a, a Court of Mist and Fury and you were talking. <laughs> I was like, I love Rowan. 
<laughs> so much. And we talked about throwing a glass because we were reading both series. And that was the day, that whole weekend, that birthed LitJoy. Yeah. Um, and so it We will, made Sarah J. Moss love. We made <laughs> birth LitJoy. A, a LitJoy baby. It is our love child. It totally is. It really is. And we tease about it, but it's like, I don't know any other way to say yeah, it. We love it. Like so, we were. <laughs> Sarah like, is very important to us because yes. it got us talking because we kind of barely knew each other. And we'll talk more about this later. But yeah, that book um, and just Sarah in general uh, really opened up a lot for us. So Yeah, I feel like there's that. I feel like we both needed to put Sarah as a whole has been really influential on the genre and on our careers yeah. and our life trajectory, mm-hmm. weirdly enough. And so both of us, I felt like needed to put one of them on the list. I was just like, which one's our favorite? It's yeah. kind of how it felt. So I'm like, you can't. Not. Here's the thing. I love Resend. I loved him the most in that one. And I then his, see, you know, things have changed as the series has gone on, but that's okay. It's all right. I, like, I stick with, with Yeah. You're like, I stick with the court of I stick with book check and match. I know. Uh, okay. Let's, you're number five? five. Okay. Number five is Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull. Love it. This is I, on my runner up list. Love it. I knew we'd have a ton of crossover. So I love this book. Uh, Ed Catmull, along with John Lasseter, created Pixar. And Pixar went through many iterations. They were developing a piece of technology. I think at the University of Utah is where they were at. Mm. And they were developing a piece of technology, which would be digital animation. And lots of different people wanted to use it for different things because they couldn't get funding for the company, essentially. Mm. And But they didn't want to pivot from their vision of doing animation. That's what they really loved. So I think that George Lucas bought them for a little while and then Steve Jobs rescued them during George Lucas's divorce. There's like all this drama, you know, rescued them. And then he wanted to sell them off for uh, Steve Jobs wanted to sell them for for the technology to be used for something besides Mm. digital animation, because they're like, you can't make money in that kind of a thing. And, and then, um, Eventually, I think Steve Jobs kind of pivoted and sold them to Disney because Toy Story was such a success. That's so kind of the backstory of Ed Catmull and this book about the rise of Pixar. But where I feel like the heart of the book is, is in creating a company culture around creativity. Mm-hmm. Like Ed Catmull and John Laster were just like, we're not going to do business the way that corporate does business. And so he put so many great culture tools in that book that I felt like that was the first business book I read right when we started LitJoy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that book was heavily influential on my personal uh, philosophies as a business owner and then later as a co-CEO. Mm-hmm. And I feel like today I still quote that book multiple oh, yeah. times in meetings throughout the year. You know, living in the shadow. Like if you want to create, if you want to work with creative intention or in the space of creativity – you have to be willing to function in the shadow of uncertainty. You know, that like creativity requires this leap of faith. Mm-hmm. And so there's these moments, these like Ed Catmull-isms that have just deeply impacted how I function as a boss and as an owner. So mm-hmm. I know that's why it's on my list. No, it's a great one. Yeah, I, That one's just a fascinating read regardless if oh, you're, yeah. you know, into creative business or not. Fascinating read. But on oh, top yeah. of, you know, for Alex and I, it was perfect to be able to, start a company reading that book we were like yes thank you for some like guidelines in a sense it almost felt like a little bit of lighting the way because we both knew we wanted to do business different we did and a lot of people will have if you start a business a lot of people will have opinions about how to run your business yeah Uh, it comes from all different angles a lot of them are just people who really love you or who care a lot about you 
But they ultimately, at the end of the day, we always go with what works for us. And that's what's worked. And so. Oh, high five. We did it. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's amazing. Okay. Moving on to your five. We are not going fast enough in this episode, by the way. It's so hard. (laughs) We talk about our babies here. (laughs) Yeah, we love books so much. Okay. So number. Okay. My number five is the Stranger Dreamer Muse of Nightmares duology by Lainey Taylor. I wondered if this was on your list or it not. It is. Yeah. Yep. Um, we make no secret about this. this is one of our favorite series of all time. I, For me, I think why is I have not been surprised in a fantasy novel in a long time. Or I hadn't been at this point. Yes. And being able to read Strange the Dreamer and specifically Muse of Nightmares, the, you know, the conclusion of that oh, series, yes. blew my mind. I was like, I couldn't have predicted any of the things that were happening for the I most know. part. Her writing, Lainey Taylor's writing is pure poetry and it's just gorgeous. It's different than anything I'd ever read. Yep. When I hear about the main characters are blue skinned who live in a floating city like a hand above a sky. What? You it's know, like, like a, a, an angel citadel with these like outstretched arms, you know, like it's like this floating city with gods who are blue. And so when you hear about it, you're just like, I don't know if I can get on board with this. But you give it like one chapter and you're like, wait, wait. Oh, you just Who's fall, Laszlo? You fall so deeply in love with Laszlo. Yes. I married a Laszlo. I love it. Like a hundred percent. Like Tyler's totally. And I was just like, I love it so much. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make that about Tyler, but it yeah. just. <laughs> I, I was just completely transcended into something I'd never experienced before in a fantasy book. And again, very rare. Yeah. It's rare to experience something that completely changes uh your perception of what a fantasy is is what it yeah. felt like to me. So it sounds like we'll talk about it a little bit more unless yeah, you want to jump to it right now. But um, yeah, I can just, uh, well, no, I'll get to it. Mine. I okay. only have one little note on it that we didn't already touch on, but just the duology is beautiful. Yeah. I like highly recommend to anyone who wants to just be totally immersed in yeah. a different world. We did a beautiful Lidjo edition of this duology too. And yeah. it, I mean, it's sold out of course, but yeah, um, we did our other series as well. Oh, that is in the shop. The Daughter of Smoke and Bone. Yes. that There is like a matching set. I mean, again, another completely unique fantasy for, sure. for that one. So that was like her first uh, trilogy. That yeah, she ever but there wrote. are little Easter eggs that like tie them together, yes. like teeny little threads. So I'm excited to see what she comes out with next. That'd be good. All right. What's your number six? The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna. So this is my uh, World War II historical fiction book. This is arguably my favorite book of all time. Mm. Um, I read this book maybe like 10 times. I weep through it every time. Um, It follows sisters Vienne, 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 and uh, Isabel. And they are French. They're women in France. German occupied France during World War II. So the perspective is a little different. A lot of times we're like either in London or in the middle of mm. Auschwitz when you read these World War II fictions, I feel like. But uh, this one was a unique perspective that I hadn't read in World War II fiction yet, specifically. And um, I just felt like it it was a book that uh, if you do believe in past lives, I feel like I've like it, it felt so familiar to me mm. when reading it. I felt like a past life when reading it, like this idea of one woman being a mother and how do you protect your children during World War II Mm. and one woman uh, having very little ties to responsibility and her courage and um, helping, you know, these downed air pilots escape uh, the German soldiers, uh, protecting your children from German soldiers and, and just also the humanity 
that you experience in this book. And, you know, there's obviously some scenes with German soldiers who are just very human and very good people who are in the middle of a a horrible circumstance as well. And so I don't know if there's any other book that's so impacted me in understanding the complexities of humanity and how nobody is all good or all bad. And, and I just felt like it was, I love Kristen Hannah's work. All of her books are really beautiful, but I felt like this one was such a, like, like the, like, ultimate of her work it was Mm. it was so beautiful it really was it was an incredible book and the ending oh my gosh i know i know no spoilers but man yeah you can't get you cannot escape that book without at least one tear i feel like oh yes most definitely yeah it was beautiful okay okay number six for you number six for me no surprises from you on this one but uh not nice um stop people pleasing staying silent and feeling guilty start speaking up saying no asking boldly and unapologetically being yourself that is the full title. <laughs> I was like, is he okay? It is long, but he, he's like, you will understand what this book is about. Uh, it's like, got to get the SEO in the title. <laughs> I'm like, let me, I'm going to attempt to pronounce name. Dr. Aziz Gazipura. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was beautiful. Gazipura. <clears throat> Dr. Aziz um, <laughs> is who wrote this book. So I am old enough that I was like hitting my midlife crisis a couple of years ago. And realized I was like a crippling people pleaser. It it just never dawned on me before that that's what I was. I just was so nice and I want to be accommodating and I want everyone else to feel safe. And I wanted to make sure everyone was comfortable. And uh, I feel like I've talked to so many women specifically. uh, It's by no means just women um, who fall into this as well. And so I read this book and I will warn you guys, it is a beast of a book because he methodically goes through and strips away everything to like exactly showcase what people pleasing really is. And he goes through example by example. And I w- was shocked that I was like, I do that. I do that. I do that. Like, it's always good because he's not just talking broadly. He's like, no, let's get into the nitty gritty of what people pleasing is. And I bet you're doing it. And so it was wonderful. So that's the first half of the book. It strips you down bare. realizes like I do all these things. Second half of the book walks you through how to overcome them. And practices you can do in your daily life to be more confident, uh, be more bold. Don't just apologize for every little thing and not to feel bad about it. And here's why. And so it was a wonderful book to help switch some of my thinking and uh, to help me be more confident and to have more power. Mm -hmm. I, you know, anyways, great book for me. I think it was one of those books that was just the right book at the right time of my life kind of a thing. But I would recommend it for anyone who feels like that sounds like them as well. Yeah. Um, and again, it's one that you want to take a couple chapters chapters at a time, take a minute and process it because it's yeah. going to be a lot. It took me two months to get through it. Yeah. Reading it every day. I think the biggest impact I've seen on that, or the biggest impact I've seen that book have um, when people read it is it just contributes greatly to their happiness. Yeah. That like when you can escape that that habitual people pleasing it's a life trap yeah and i mean like we all have life traps Mm -hmm. but when you can escape that you find so much more happiness and joy and just like giving yourself permission to not people please and so and it's a good one just the awareness yeah so many things i didn't even know were considered people pleasing but when he breaks it down you're like ah i didn't realize how it's a very selfish thing to do actually and real people pleasers think they're being very selfless and when he breaks it down you can't unknow it. 
Yeah. All I have to say. You're like, it. oh, I'm actually doing this to keep me safe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have anxiety, right? So mm-hmm. that's why. But uh, it was just the awareness that I got from the book. If I got nothing else, was life-changing for me. So yeah, nice. read that one. Check it out. Check it out. All right. Seven. Let's do it. Lucky seven. Lucky number seven, Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Yeah. Another nonfiction. I just think this one is, Brene Brown's books are fantastic. I feel like she is prolific. Okay. Um, and just the self-awareness movement in general. I would say Dare to Lead is specifically geared towards work and interactions at work. But I think all the principles, you find them in a lot of her books. Uh, and I would recommend any Brene Brown books for people who want to push mm-hmm. their emotional intelligence, their EQ, or they want to learn more about vulnerability specifically. Mm-hmm. So she's like kind of the the keystone of her research is vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this book helped me and our team uh, learn to be better leaders. And I just thought it was a profound read. We've done book clips on it three times mm-hmm. at LitJoy and always learn new things. I feel like it's a reread for sure. Um, yeah. And it helps you kind of understand your own vulnerability. What are your values? And um, and you can do business in a way that is distinctly human. You don't have to be cold at work. Mm-hmm. You can still be a person with vulnerabilities and be very successful. And yeah. I loved that. I feel like that worked That worked really well for our culture. And so that's why it's on my list. I have it as number 11 on mine. Yeah. Keep in mind, we're only supposed to do 10. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, just in case Alex doesn't do it, I, we yeah. have to talk about it because Dare to Lead has impacted us both greatly. And so it you know, taught me how to like lead with heart, um, how to rumble, how to have those crucial conversations. It was great. Fantastic yep. book. Okay. My number seven, um, still Alice, still really? Alice by Lisa Genova. It's a book I think about. That's literally the only one that surprised me. I wondered if it would. <laughs> it's the only one. Um, so just quick two sentences about the book. It is about a 50 year old. Uh, she's got a PhD. Uh, she teaches, she's like a neuroscientist basically. Uh, Harvard, I think. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah Harvard, Harvard University. Harvard. And she gets Alzheimer's and mm. it talks, the whole book is from her perspective. And so it is raw. It can be heartbreaking. Um, but you get to see what it's like for someone with Alzheimer's from their perspective, living um, their day-to-day lives and seeing that slow progression and have frustration and not being able to follow things. And again, this is another one of those books where it was the time of my life, right? So I only grew up with one grandparent. I lost all the others before I was ever born. I only had one grandma. So I was very close with her and we just had a really unique special bond. And she passed away also from uh, an accident involving the fact that she had, you know, Alzheimer's or dementia. And, um, so I also got to witness that in my own grandma. And reading this book shortly after she died was a gift and also so hard <laughs> to read. Yeah. Like I get emotional even talking about it because I got to read what it was like being her in those moments, you know. And I wish I'd had it, read it before she passed away because I think it would have given me even more insight into how I can be better for her in those moments. But the overall arcing um, moment or sorry, theme of the book is really just you just love them. Like no matter what they forget and what they can't remember, they feel love. They feel that love that you have for them. And that was something I did with my grandma. Um, not ever my family were very capable of doing that because there's so much attached to it, right? 
But I felt so good knowing that in the book that like, regardless if I failed in other areas, you know, um, she could feel the love that I had for her no matter what. And this book just impacted me deeply when I read it. I sobbed and I wrote a huge letter to my grandma after. So it's an incredible book and it's a debut book, the Mm -hmm. author. So she's this incredible legit scientist who wrote this book. And I don't, I actually can't remember if she's written anything else, but I just was blown away finding this was her first novel. Oh, it's beautifully it's written. incredible. So I got to move on, but it, yeah. it was a, it was a great one impacting me in my life at the time. So I love it. It's a good one. Um, my, um, number eight is strange, the dreamer muse of nightmares. So we've already kind of chatted about that one. And I said, and I quote, my words are, one of the most beautiful tapestries of a story ever woven in the fantasy genre. Yeah. There's a tagline for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yes, and also it was very special to our heart that uh, Lainey said yes to us doing a special edition because that was kind of, she took a chance on us where we're like, we're capable of doing this thing. And, And she believed in us and we were, it was such an honor to do it as our first fantasy special edition so yeah Mm. it's beautiful yeah i love it i know okay so my number eight we're on eight right yeah um i i almost didn't put this down because i'm like oh it's so obvious but i was like i gotta say it so it's just basically harry potter the harry potter series that's my runner-up one of my runner yeah Mm -hmm. it's so fascinating i was let me look i was 14 years old this is gonna date me so everyone be prepared prepare yourselves for kelly's age (laughs) so i was 14 years old when harry potter and the philosopher's stone came out okay yeah and of course i had zero interest in reading at that time somewhere between junior high and high school i kind of like let go of reading but i used to be obsessed with reading before then and then i picked up again in high school but for a while there i just was like not interested and everyone right oh you got to read harry potter you got to read harry potter and i was like if one more effing person tells me to read Harry Potter, I, I just might. I will run away to Antarctica. I don't want to hear about it anymore. Like, I don't know why I was being so rebellious about it. It wasn't until um, I think I was 17 or 18 in 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, fourth book, I think, had just dropped. And again, you got to read it. This is the best book of all time. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know what finally spurred me to do it. But I finally was like, I will read this damn book about a wizard, okay? <laughs> I was angry about it. And then I was like, well, that was like a cute little kitty read, right? Because book one is kind of, it's her youngest, of course. Yeah, it's written kind of for like an 11-year-old. Yeah. yeah and I was like, that's how old Harry is. Sure, you know, and I was like, I'll give it one more chance, you know. So I continued on the series. But anyways, of course, I got addicted, as everyone did, got to book four. And book four actually is still my favorite within the yeah. series. Um, because that's the one that had just dropped, you know, when I finally got into yep. it. And I sped through all of them. And... Then I think the reason I picked this is because, well, one, it's a huge phenomenon. And of course, we have these massive worlds created around it now. Oh, it's but, just like a huge subculture of yeah. humans that find themselves in the stories and they love yes. them, you know. I think for me, it was like the book that got me reading again. Mm-hmm. Two, is the first time I had ever fangirled or been a part of a fandom. Like I didn't know anything yes. about that at the time, but I was just like, you want to talk Harry Potter? Let's talk Harry Potter. What about wands? What about this? Like what kind of spell book? Like, like what house? What? Yeah. Yeah. You, everyone got on, got on board. And so it was the first book that got me think, talking about fandom. And uh, anyways, so. yeah, we can talk about that forever, but I Harry Potter's like great. We're, we're still doing that though. Like that idea of sorting. We still yes. do that. Uh, it's like a personality test. People feel, um, you know, I don't think J.K. Rowling wrote those books with the intention of like merchandise. I don't think she was like, this is going to kill it with merch. But people like 
identify with the the different experiences mm-hmm. that the characters are having so much that they relive them yeah. in parties, in personality tests, you know, where we sorted. And like now all the people who grew up on Harry Potter are really into astrology, <laughs> you mean, know, like it's just oh, yeah. it's a part of it. And like, so clearly it impacted me to the point where I wanted to create Harry Potter themed, you know, magical crates for mm-hmm. our company. We were one of the first people ever to do those. Uh, yeah. This is like eight years ago. Um, now there's there's plenty out there. Yeah. And there's like it, it was just like that experience. How do you take that experience and help like facilitate it for someone who's not in the wizarding world? Oh, yeah. Right. And so I, and I think that's why people like love going to the parks and they love rereading the books and they love watching the movies because I feel like they're such a great example of creating community around a book mm-hmm. like people yeah. that it's taken on a life of its own outside of just what it was originally intended to do and i think you see that now a lot with sarah i mm-hmm. think her books do that too and create fandom and you you know you've seen this too with like star wars and star trek and like marvel War, warhammer and marvel like there's all these but these are like um these ones uh these books create it for such a broad audience it's like Disney. It's like Disney it has this appeal to yeah. whole different walks of life. Mm-hmm. And that's such a special thing to be able to appeal to little kids, like our little three-year-olds. Yeah. We have video of them wielding wands and like <laughs> doing like irreversible. What is it? Like the unforgivable curses. Yeah, they're like, Yeah, they're like, you know, like we have three-year-olds. And then you have, you know, I went to the dermatologist the other day. And my dermatologist was wearing a Harry Potter cardigan. <laughs> and it's yeah. just like all the life spans yeah. are into it. So. It's it, it's a universally loved series for good reason from yeah. all ages. And anyone who knows me who's ever mentioned that they've never read the books or the movies, gear up because <laughs> you will become my new mission in life. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. I'm your new worst friend. <laughs> You're going to love me at the end. And I've had a few experiences where yeah. I've gotten kids into it and then they want to tell me everything that they've read. And oh, yes. I'm just like, I'm so happy. It's happening. I love this so much. And I know. And for those of you who've only ever seen the movies, I'm just like, great. The movies are wonderful. Yeah, they're fun. You are missing out on so much in the books. They yeah. have to cut so much. And I would highly recommend at least reading through them once in and your life. The audiobook too oh, is really fantastic. Jim Dale. Jim Dale does such a good job. Oh, we gotta move on. I know. But I'm just like, I love it. It's like Potter. so good. I don't know which one. We're on nine. Nine. All right. Nine for me, Queen of Shadows, there which is. is my favorite Sarah J. Moss book. It is good. It is so good. I'm just like, there's one scene where Aelin is walking down the street and she sees a cloaked figure and like runs to him. And I'm all that was one of the most like impactful book moments for me i don't know why but that one just like hit me and so if you've read the book you know um but i i liked the throne of glass series better than akatar i might be in the minority on that one for sure but Mm -hmm. queen of shadows is book four and it's very worth it i also love manon's storyline in it i love that dorian is like verging on elsa powers (laughs) it's like (laughs) there's so many good things in this book so yeah, 100%. <laughs> His eyes, yeah. Anyway, like, sorry. Ah. I know. It's fantastic. So that's my favorite recommended uh, Sarah J. Moss book. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, nine. We're on nine. Okay. Nine. This one surprised me that it made my list, actually. But <laughs> like, I surprised me. I realized that this is one of those books I think about all the time. So Station Eleven. Oh, yeah. Station Eleven is on my honorable mentions. Yeah. This mm-hmm. was so hard to get 10. By Steph- oh, no. sorry, by Emily St. John Mandel. 
Um, this is a dystopian book. It's sort of like you pick up after the dystopian, like viruses kind of run rampant. And this is pre COVID, by the way. This so, like, was creepily pre COVID. Yep. Um, and there's like these zombie people, but most of them have died out, if I'm trying to remember. Yeah, no. So, essentially, it it's, has like four or five perspectives in the book at, at and it's like dual timeline, like just when the pandemic hits and, and then, then like after like 15, 20 years after. Yeah. And um, 99% of society is wiped out by this mm-hmm. pandemic. And so you see these before and after shots from multiple character perspectives and she weaves them together. Yeah. Beautifully. I mean, there's no gasoline. There's no ammunition. There's no transportation. Electricity. It's like, there's no electricity. I mean, you're back to like buggy, <laughs> like yeah. horse uh, yeah. and walking and so much has been eradicated. And so... But what's interesting is they have these like groups of people who are trying to like keep the arts alive as yes. well. Like a theater troupe. Mm-hmm. This book, anyone who's read it has said the term, it will haunt you. But like it's in, haunting. The, in the best sort of way. I like look at right at the camera. I'm like, it is haunting. It is haunting. <laughs> um, and again, pre-COVID, we were all like, oh my gosh, because it felt so real. I think it actually made COVID more scary for me. It, yeah. Because I read that book. Yeah. Um, anyways, it it. And everyone I've talked to, they're like, I think about that book minimum, minimum once a month. Oh, yeah. And it's true. And I was like, it has impacted me so deeply. There's moments like when I'm sitting in traffic, I think about it because of scenes in that book. Um, When I'm at the airport, I always think about it when I'm at the airport because one of the settings is at the airport. What do you do if a extremely, an extremely contagious virus breaks out and you're at an airport? away from home there's like that becomes your new family that becomes like your new home it's it's fascinating i i would highly recommend reading it just because i think it's like a psychological it's like a psychological thriller dystopian dystopian. yeah but then there's like this hope threaded through it because they basically rebuilding society and civilization with whoever's left and what does that look like yeah you know so leave it at that it's a good one I, I love that. I love that. You put it on the list so I don't have to me. talk about it. I love that journey for you. Well, a lot of my honorable mentions you've brought up, so I'm all good. We got them in. Snuck them in. Um, and then my number 10 is Come As You Are. So we okay. don't really need to talk about it again, but that was my number 10. So, yeah. It was a good book. Good book. Okay. My number 10 is The Night Circus by Aaron yes. Morgenstein. Morgenstern. Stern. Um, Again, this one surprised me a little bit when I put it on here, but it's another one that I think about often. Yeah. So uh, I've read her other book as well. We've read The Starless Sea, another beautiful poetic book. But this was her debut book, The Night Circus. And it is hard to put into words. Um, I'm not going to give the synopsis or anything, but what it, why it lives rent-free in my brain all the time is because it was one of the most tangible reads I've ever experienced. And what I mean yeah. by that is... All my senses were being like like plucked at different times throughout the book. Um, she makes you feel like you are in this you know mysterious circus. You feel like you want to go into all these different tents, and you can smell the foods, and you can you know you want to make uh, these like ice castles and the wishing tree. Like everything that she describes yeah. is so palpably like like it felt like it was right here in front of me. Like I could Mm -hmm. smell it and I could taste it. It was immersive. And to have an experience like that in a book was fascinating. And I found out after reading it that there are these, what are they called? They're like experiences and they were, she's based in New York and you can go pay to these experiences where it's something like this, like a living 
mystery. You walk through different environments and Ooh. it touches on all your senses. Cool. And so she was trying to literally incorporate that into her book. And I was like, great job. You did it. Like it's achieved because it was, and, and again, this book has different timelines happening back and forth. And so I know some people don't enjoy that, but I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I didn't feel like the dual timeline took away from it. I yeah. thought it was, it was just like such a, it also kind of has like this, like this like hopeless tragedy kind of thing woven through like yeah. this. There's, there's like dueling magician. Yeah. Like no escape from this situation and then finding hope in it. So mm-hmm. there's like the, the themes of the story are really beautiful, but yes, the circus itself is just a total escape into magical realism. Yeah. It's really like beautiful. And I feel like her and Lainey Taylor kind of have that mm-hmm. lyrical writing that just draws you in, which is so beautiful. Yeah. The circus was a character. Oh, for sure. Which I think some people didn't always pick up on. But I'm like, so obviously, like, its own But those people are dumb. (laughs) (laughs) We're like, they just didn't enjoy the read that I did. And it's not only, like, dueling timelines, but it's, like, constantly changing years. Oh, yeah. And so I actually started keeping a log. She did. She gave me her heart back to, like, as I was listening to it. She's like, here's my notes I took. (laughs) Because it it was, I wanted to keep track of everything. But it, it was incredible. So debut author amazing first book so yep okay we did it those are our top 10 i know let's just not talk about but list our honorable mentions oh i only wrote down the one because i okay knew i'd want to talk about all of them but go ahead okay honorable mentions wonder anna green gables project hail mary by andy weir uh love that book project hail mary it would have been number 11 for me uh, Station Eleven, Why We Sleep. That book is literally about why we should sleep more. Loved it. And then A Christmas Carol. I thought that was going to be on your list. I, was I know, shocked. but Pride and Prejudice took that spot. Ah, uh, because I was like, between the two of them, A Christmas Carol is one of my favorite holiday reads and one of my favorite classics. Ah, uh, but of all time, top ten. I don't know. It didn't. I don't know if it changed my life. It yeah. just made my life better. <laughs> yeah, I, that's what happened to me too. Because yeah. I had like. Um, the Invisible Life of Addie LaRue on there. Yeah, I good one. read that like three times. I love it. But I was like, okay, it's not changed my life. I just, it made my life more enjoyable. For sure. <laughs> Same thing. I actually had Twilight on there because... Twilight was super impactful. It was. You know, I was there in the height of that. Watching yeah. for the one of the first times a book being made into a movie. Mm-hmm. That was not done very often back then. And now it's yeah. like where everything comes from. That's like every, before you get a book deal, they're like, is it big commercial? Can we do a movie? Yeah. That's yeah. kind of a big thing, which isn't bad because I'm like, I f- love those books too. So <laughs> I know. All Amazing. right. Well, that was fun. It was super fun. And now you know more about us, even if you didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Add all these books to your to read list. If there's any you haven't read, they're all fantastic. And we stand by them. We stand by them. Now, at, you've made it to the end of the episode. Congratulations, everyone. <laughs> Snaps to you. Snaps to you, reader. I am going to share with you a couple of announcements that we have going on. So, two big announcements. Uh, First, the next special edition in our Neil Gaiman book collection comes out in January of 2024, and it is Ocean at the End of the Lane. Ocean at the End of a Lane is, what genre would you say this is for Neil? Um, I think it technically falls into middle grade. Yes, but it is like all Neil books, it has an edge to it. Yeah. And uh, I think that readers will be really excited about how beautiful this edition is. Yes, it is illustrated. It's an illustrated edition. And the artwork in this one is incredible. Yep. So if you want to see sneak peeks for this, the place to go is Lit Joy Crate 
on Instagram. So that's at LitJoyCrate. That's where we'll start doing sneak peeks and spoilers. And the second announcement for this episode is we are going to announce one of our big box sets. <gasps> Tell me. For next year. So in February of 2024, we are doing Vampire Academy Yay! by Rochelle Mead. Love Vampire Academy. It's a classic and I don't it hasn't really been redone. Like I think a couple people have done like new covers, but we're doing the Lit Joy special edition. Fully illustrated, annotated, annotated ribbon bookmark, decal or yep. decorated edges. Yes, new covers, print. all of it tricked yep. out. It's going to be a decked out uh special edition and yeah, we're messing with a few different uh types of covers so similar to how we did Nevernight, it will be uh, something new and fresh yeah. um, from us so we're very excited and just as kind of a little plug for our membership group if you're a part of our membership group the Lunicorns, you will get early access to both of these titles mm. and so um they Lunicorns get early access they get um new products behind the scenes content and a secret unicorn shop that you can shop in. And then also we do lives, oh, yeah. which I'm like, what, that's where we spoil everything we're not supposed to spoil. It happens every lunar, time. Every time. Um, and that is that Rochelle Mead Vampire mm -hmm. Academy is February. So if you would like to um, be on the wait list for that book, there is a high likelihood it will sell out. For Vampire Academy, we do have a wait list set up. We'll put it, the link in the show notes, but it's litjoycrate.com slash Rose, R-O-S-E. It's the main character. Mm -hmm. So L-I-T-J-O-Y-C-R-A-T-E dot com slash R-O-S-E. And you can sign up for the wait list there. So that's important because we will email you right after the loonies about Vampire Academy. Yeah, going up for sale. Remember, if you're a lunicorn, you get early access to buying it before the general public. Remember. This is important. I know. I know. <laughs> awesome. So that is everything. Thank you, readers. Thank you. All right, reader. Thank you for listening to the Lit Joy podcast. Make sure to rate and review us. And like a good book, don't forget to recommend us to your friends.